Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. I have to breathe before we start because I, I was filling Jill in on things and I started getting worked up before we even got on here. <laughs> Good Lord. Yes, oh. it's been a while since we have <laughs> recorded, um, but I know that we want to, and thank you guys for just being so patient, but it's been a wild town the last couple months. And <laughs> yeah. so we thought we would do a quick episode to get you guys caught up on what's been going on. I think you guys are a little bit following the story, but yeah, Danny, what's going on? Yeah, it, you guys are amazing and appreciate the patience everyone has, and I know y'all get it. Um, so on October 11th, I ended up taking my mother to the ER, and just to back up a little bit, I've been staying at her place. Um, Jeff and I kind of decided to move to Vegas. My parents live in Vegas, and we were looking for places to stay, and kind of the irony of everything was we had found an apartment that got pushed back to October 25th. And then that got pulled out from under us and it got moved to November. And so we were going to try to stay at a friend's place and he kept literally just pushing us back, kind of flaking out. And so it was getting this frustration. And finally he goes, okay, you guys can move in Saturday, which was October 10th. So Jeff is like, Hey, we're going to Bryce's house. Right. And I said, yep. And then Saturday morning, like 10 o'clock, he goes, Hey, can we just do Monday? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, fine. What's two more days. So that was Saturday the 10th, October 11th. My mom was just acting strange. Um, I can't really explain too much, but she ended up falling that day. And I was texting Jill and I said, yeah, my mom's been acting so weird. And then I, I think I mentioned that she fell and Jill's boyfriend, Keith, is a, a EMT and firefighter. And she goes, why don't you talk to Keith? And thank goodness I did. And I told him what happened. And he just said, you know, if I were you, I'd take her to the ER. And so... I was like, are you sure she's not going to want to go? My mom is very much like so worried about money, especially with medical bills. And that's, she's been needing to go to doctors and she just won't go because of bills. And uh, I convinced her to go. I just told her it was Sunday night. Let's just, it'll be quiet. Nobody's at the ER. <laughs> and that was the only way I could get her to go. And literally we, I, I thought she might've had a stroke and that was kind of what, what I took her in for. And the doctor thought she had a stroke as well. They took her in for a scan. She actually did get in really quickly. And we're sitting there, and this was the craziest thing, was we're sitting there kind of in a lobby-ish area. And the doctor comes over and just with no bedside manner and no like quiet voice, she just says, you have a brain tumor. And my mom just goes, are you kidding? And in my head, I was like, she fucking kidding? Like, this isn't, this isn't very funny. It kind of sounded like a joke how she said it. And and she said, you have a metastatic brain tumor. And as she said that, I realized she was not kidding. And my mom just wasn't believing it. She didn't, she was kind of out of it. And uh, so fast forward, she ended up being admitted. Um, the next day they did ran a bunch of tests. And then the very following day, within 36 hours, they operated. And since then, it's just been this crazy wild ride of, you know, what do you do after brain surgery? And then not knowing how she got, can she 
what kind of cancer she had, where did the tumor come, all of those tests. So it's just been, it's been insane. And I was just catching Jill up while we just got some great news. Um, she finally got a PET scan to see where the cancer came from. We still couldn't find it, but it looked like there was only some small, you know, suspicious areas and it seems really treatable and her brain tumor was removed and she had another thing removed literally four weeks before. Um, so that's all good. But brain stuff is very insane. So when she first came out of surgery, the brain tumor was on the left side of her body or left side of her head. And as maybe a lot of you know, some of you may not, the left side of your brain works the right side of your body and vice versa. So the left side of her brain had the tumor. And when she got out of surgery, she couldn't move her right arm, right leg at all and couldn't even see kind of out of her right peripheral vision. So she was in the hospital in the ICU for about a week and I was going every single day because of COVID. Um, rules were really strict. We could only go at noon. So I'd wait in line and it was just a lot of, a lot of that. So I never left her house. Uh, I called the guy who we're supposed to move into. I said, listen, she's in the hospital. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to be here as long as it takes. So I'm really grateful that all the delays happened because I really needed to be here, help out my dad, help out her. And if you guys even have, have ever had anyone in the hospital, you may know, like you really need to have an advocate for you because so many things get looked over. Nurses not paying attention and things just not getting taken care of. So it's been a wild. So she was in the hospital ICU, I want to say about 10 days, and then she went to a rehab, which was not allowed to have any visitors because of COVID. And I thought I would get a break. I thought that would be very easy. And it turns out it was much worse because I couldn't see what was going on, it, what kind of neglect, what kind of treatment. They weren't updating me. My mom was having a nurse call me and she'd scream on the phone for an hour and I'd be calming her down. And so it was just a lot. It's been a, a lot of emotional and I don't even know what to say, but I know Jill and Jill had planned to come out to Vegas. We saw each other and we were going to record and I was just exhausted. My brain just was not working. And I swear I, I didn't, I hardly ate, you know, I was, I just felt like I was living on adrenaline and I don't know, adrenaline and who knows what. <laughs> yeah, it has been, I can't believe it's already been almost like seven weeks. Yeah. Like seven weeks since then. It's everything has gone by so fast and yet still like it's only been the last couple of days that you've gotten like actual sort of like solid answers about what it is and what the yeah. plan is going to be. And so it's just a ton of un not only like uncertainty, but so much just emotional sort of um just drain on you, you know? And like, I don't, I don't know that anyone is ever ready to be in a position to take care of a parent. You know, I don't know that that's like ever something you're ready for. And you and Jeff were, you know, just getting ready to like get your place and do all that stuff. And now it's like, cool, I'm just like pivot and we got to go somewhere else now. So how are yeah. you dealing with that? Yeah. You know, it was so good. And like, <laughs> I was, I was telling Jill when I was in Vegas, it's been a struggle, you know, and Jill knows this, and I'm sure a lot of you guys listening maybe know this, but my mom and I haven't, have, have a, have a complicated relationship, and we've never been really close, and it's very interesting to try to be a caretaker for somebody who, it's not that I feel a mm, obligation, I don't feel an obligation, but maybe there's a sense of duty and a sense of, you know, I, I can't even explain it, but it's been, it's, it's torn me up in a lot of ways, you know, um, mm -hmm. don't get emotional on that. <laughs> but, you know, you start to think about 
living life with regrets and and also you know of course being faced with maybe she's gonna maybe she's going to not make it through this and looking up when we there was the uh, idea that she might have melanoma stage four melanoma which actually it is but of course you go home and you look up and you google everything and you look at survival rates and it doesn't look good and i'm thinking she's not going to make it past christmas and how does that look and of course like i know we all know that our parents are going to die and a lot of you on listening to this probably have already lost your parents and i guess in my mind it was always like my dad's going to go first and then my mom and my mom's always been the kind of the strong one in the family who takes care of shit gets it you know gets shit done gets paperwork done and packs things and when i was going through um my separation from my ex-husband we were caretaking at my grandmother's house and we were taking everything we were moving my grandma and my mom just kind of took over i was like falling apart and my mom took over like clean grandma's house got rid of everything helped my grandmother out like took care of that stuff and so i just kind of expect her to be that person so i know if my dad died she'd clean up his closet and she'd get rid of the stuff and she can make the plans but my dad's not that guy <laughs> so it just felt like it fell on me you know and i felt so resentful for the responsibility of going like why do i have to be the responsible i felt like i'm the adult here i've got to make the i got to talk to the doctors and get all the information and i have to make the phone calls and i got to pay the bills and it was just a weird position to be in and then feeling like you know i'm supposed to be getting my new place and starting my <laughs> you know there's life is just unfair in a lot of ways and it all will work out like my friend jeremy he says and i've heard this from a couple motivational speakers like delayed is not denied so you know, delays happen sometimes for a reason. And I, I really think that all the delays happened for us for a reason. You know, we were actually even talking about moving to Austin in the summer. And so I feel like this all happened as best case scenario and the worst case scenario could be. Um, but at the same time, like you can have all this gratitude for the things happening the way they did. And at the same time, be so pissed about it, you know, like mm -hmm. so angry that like, why does life feel like it fucks you up sometimes why yeah. does 2020 have to be such a bitch <laughs> dude 2020 just fucks you right in the ass <laughs> you know it's it is one of those things and i we had this conversation like you know soon after her diagnosis because i just wanted to make sure that you knew that it was valid to feel all the feelings so feeling the the feeling of like okay like obviously you know my mom is the one with the brain tumor so like even like whatever I have is not as bad, that quote bad as that. But then there's also that part of you that like you didn't expect to potentially be having to take care of your mom for like 20 years. So it's yeah. like the, just like the, the shock of it. And then there is resentment. And that's, I just wanted you to know that that's normal, a normal way to feel. And I think like, obviously like we always do with this podcast, I think it's important to validate maybe even some of the stuff that we don't like to talk about but that is so real and i think it is short-sighted to 
be like, okay, like I'm here and like, I'm just going to take care of it. I'm going to drop everything and I'm going to do this entire thing. Like, yes, in an ideal world, but you are at a place where, especially having gone through everything with your marriage and now like you and Jeff have been together for a couple of years and it's like, cool. Like it kind of feels like a clean slate. You guys were, you've been nomadic for a couple of years. You were looking at like, okay, we're going to like actually sign a lease. Right. And like our businesses are starting to take off and like all these things. And then life just deals you this card. And so while you can be grateful for having been there and being like able to have the, you know, the lifestyle that you have, I guess you don't have to like go to a job or whatever. You can literally be there with her. And in the same breath, you can be like, fuck, like, fuck, like why me? Yeah. You know, and they're both true. And so I just want to acknowledge that because I think anyone who's been in that position ever feels both. And I think it's important. Does it make you a bad person? Does it make any, which it's like, that's fucking real human shit. And it will work out however it's supposed to work out. But I think, when you're in that discomfort and that uncertainty, it can feel like really fucking shitty. It does. It does. And I'm glad we're talking about this too. And like, I even, I was thinking about as we were chatting about this and wanting to have the conversation on the podcast is I want to be real about the resentment and at the same time, you know, being happy I'm here. And it's, it's funny because I'll get people who are messaging me and they're like, how's your mom? And I'm like, she's fucking fine, but I'm not, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's funny and too, because- it's, uh, it's like, I'm so grateful for people who are concerned and who have sent money. So we, we did a GoFundMe because, you know, she has insurance, but she's got this insurance where her deductible is r- ridiculously high. So it's actually the best kind of insurance for something like this, where, you know, if it was, let's say a 20, 80, 80, 20 plan where you pay 20%. I mean, I still haven't gotten the bill for her brain surgery, but I, I'm sure it's upwards of six figures plus 10 days in the ICU and everything. I mean, her bills are probably going to be over a million dollars plus once we get through the treatments and everything. And so we did a, um, a GoFundMe so we can cover those, you know, just main large expenses. And that was helpful. I knew I had a feeling that she would be upset about it because she's very prideful and never wants to ask people for money. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm going to do this anyway. I think Jeff really convinced me to do it To My brother and I had a conversation that we would help um, cover her bills. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like, right now I'm not really working because I'm doing so much with her. So it would be an extra stress on me to try to create programs and get working to try to pay her bills and be taking care of her. And so we did the GoFundMe um, and it was amazing. And this is another thing. It's like these, these, this roller coaster, these ups and downs, because the amount of generosity poured out, like I just cried so many times when I saw these names come through, people who donated, some people I didn't even know, you know, like anonymous people. And it was so touching. And it's, it's so crazy how you can have these like tragedies and you see these little glimpses of light and like beauty and just people coming together. And it's almost, you know, I think this happened in like 9-11 where like this huge tragedy happened and yet people come together and you see the beauty. And it's such a crazy juxtaposition in life where sometimes in order to see the best in people, something really tragic has to happen. Um, But that was it was just like these decisions needed to be needing to be made on the spot and, and trying to plan ahead, not knowing what the future is going to hold. So how do we plan ahead when we don't even have the answers of what does it look like? So, you know, Jeff and I had the conversation and he has been amazing. You know, we came home from the hospital and um, after she had her surgery, you know, we were like, well, 
I was like, well, when do we leave? And he just said, you know, we'll stay as long as we need to till we find out what's next. You know, we will stick around. We'll help out as much as we need. And, and then, you know, my dad, he was, he's struggling with his stuff and it's been, um, I don't want to say a power dynamic shift, but kind of a power dynamic shift where I've kind of been taking over and, and taking her to the doctors. And, and it was funny when we got her kind of, we we're supposed to find the, out her prognosis or what was going to happen on Thursday. And uh, when we went to the doctor, they weren't going to let anybody in. They just shifted the COVID thing. Now, first they will let one person, then they said nobody. And I called and I said, listen, she has she's still with her brain stuff has no memory. She's not going to have any idea what the doctor's talking about. At least somebody has to go in with her. And so my dad came to the appointment and I came and they said, only one of you can go in. And I was like, shit, well, I'm the one who's been to all of her doctor's appointments. So I know more and I can understand and translate it more, but my dad's her husband and he should be with her. So we kind of went back and forth and I felt like my dad should go, but he told me to go, which kind of was maybe the better decision. So I went in and I feel torn about that too, you know, where it's like, who gets to be the person standing by her, where now it's, I've kind of become her medical power of attorney when usually it's the spouse. And it's, it's just been a weird, it's been a weird place. So yeah, all of that stuff's going on and you're kind of just <laughs> trying to navigate your life and not even knowing where your life is anymore, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, you're on like the offense, right? And then like something like this happens and you're just on defense. It's the same kind of thing that happens you know, when we found out about our ex-husband's affairs and left the marriage, you're on offense yeah, and you're like going and you're creating and like, that's such an amazing place to be. And like something like this just like pulls the rug out from under you. And all of a sudden you're playing defense. So like the idea that you could even like have a plan, like you said, like the idea you could even like try to put a plan in place. And it's hard because especially like plans feel organized plans feel like control like okay like we got a plan we're going like it feels and when you don't have that and you really can't do that it feels like a lot of uncertainty it feels a lot of you know sort of anxiety scarcity like these just these feelings of like okay like i just can't even put and it's frustrating i can't even try to put a plan together as much as i want to to feel in my power that's just not possible so what do you do when you and i, I know for me like at least during that time my practice was just like sitting in the discomfort of it mm -hmm. just like okay like I'm just going to like sit in the discomfort. There's like nothing to do right now, even though I wish that there was, there's nothing really to do. And I had to just trust that like eventually the next path or wherever I was supposed to go next would reveal itself. And it did. And it took a lot longer than I fucking wanted it to, but it always, but it did, you know? And so my practice at that time was just like, was literally like non-action almost, you know? Yes. Yes non-action, like in just sitting and then trusting that the next phase of the journey would reveal itself at some point. I'm glad you said that. I think, um, I was afraid you were going to say just to do stuff and I'm like, uh, I can't, I couldn't, uh, <laughs> because you know, it's, it reminds me back when even I was, uh, struggling with my metabolic damage and I was just like, I just wanted something to change. And I knew I had to just kind of sit back and not push anymore. Like I had to stop pushing, right? In order for, to ha for anything to happen, I had to stop pushing. And same with right now. Um, it was for a couple of weeks, maybe the first three weeks, I kept going on social media and I, I had planned to, to do a new workshop for Master Your Money. And actually, so right before my mom, I uh, was actually doing a Zoom 
speaking gig. Jill and I both spoke at Fitposium and it was virtual this time. And that literally the day of my keynote, my mom spilled coffee on my laptop. And that was like the beginning of knowing something was going on with her brain. Like some, she just was not, she was dropping things and shaking. And so I was freaking out about this. I had planned to do this workshop, but I didn't have a laptop for about two weeks. So it got pushed, that also got pushed back. So she goes in the hospital and I kept thinking, I need to do this workshop. I need to be working. And like, there was no way I felt like I could get on social media and talk about money when every day I was just feeling like I was crying. I was shaking. I was going to the hospital. Like I couldn't focus. And so I kept going, okay, maybe I'll schedule it for next week. Maybe I'll schedule it for next week. And then I finally got, I literally like had this talk with myself and I just said, you know what? I'm going to give you permission to take off the rest of the year. And don't stress, if you do get to create something, if you do get to launch something, if you do anything, that would be awesome. But no pressure. You get the rest of the year off, you can chill. Like, trust Jeff to take care of things. He can work on his business, all that. And you just do what you have to do. Because I, I kept feeling like I was getting behind and I was watching everybody else launch things and I was get, just beating myself up. And I, then I was like, this is not helping because every single day it was like a new catastrophe. I took her to the ER three times in one week. And so there was no way to plan a business when I was having to deal with these unexpected things. And I was thinking about so much about people who have babies too, of, you know, they have an infant and they're like, I want to get right back to work. And it's like, give yourself that first year, at least the first six months to just not do it. Give yourself permission to not do anything because you just don't know. This is the close. I've never raised a baby. This is the closest I could think of what it would be like, especially that first week. I was up at night and, you know, constantly stressed, feeding her, showering her, bathing her, you know, all of those things. And you can't plan. So I had to give myself permission to do nothing. And same thing, Jill, I was like, it will, when things need to come, they'll come. And I'm not putting any pressure on myself to do it right now. It's the end of the year. It's fine. I'll just deal with it in January and see, because I just can't. Yeah. And it just takes the, it just takes the pressure off you mentally, you know, cause like, especially when you're so emotionally drained, like beating yourself up for not doing more in a crisis situation is like the most ridiculous thing. And I think that's where we first go to, you know, and obviously, you know, both of us are really like action oriented, but sometimes there just isn't an action to like, it's just not appropriate for that time, you know? And it's, and so the practice oftentimes like taking action is easier than just sitting and like observing and staying mindful and like trying to pay attention to what's going on and like even spending time with your mom you know it was interesting it's been interesting for me because I know about your I know your relationship with your mom fairly well and after I had had a couple conversations with people about what was going on or like they just knew because of the GoFundMe they were like wow I didn't even know Danny was so close with her mom and I was like yeah she's actually like not super close with her mom uh but she is the person, like you're the one, you know? And so it's a weird sort of position to be in because I think if you asked anyone, no one would say like, you have to do it, right? Like you're just, you're, you know, a grown woman trying to like build her life too. And yet it is kind of in a weird way, a privilege for you to have this time with her, especially if she has a terminal illness, right? Like, you know, like, so it's like, you're at that point where, and this is, this is like the really scary sort of thing to talk about, but fuck, like if you do want to like have, or, or, or she's available for a different level of conversation, then it's going to be worth it to Uh, hang, to be there. I love that you said that too, because it, 
I started to think about if I look back 10 years from now, am I going to wish that I had launched my program or taken this time to spend with her and, you know, repair old things or, you know, have conversations. And it has been very healing in a lot of ways. It's also been difficult and difficult in the ways you think it'd be difficult, but then we've had hard conversations. You know, the nice thing about her being drugged in, uh, and uh, in the hospital was I started to ask some questions I didn't think I would get truthful answers had she not been. <laughs> so I was not afraid to ask her some things that I had always been curious about. And we've had some conversations that, you know, I got some insights on her from when I was a child, from when I was a teenager, and from how how she saw things that I don't know if I would have gotten because I wouldn't have spent the time with her, nor, nor do I think she would have expressed in the way she did because she was under the influence of <laughs> who knows what. So it's been a really interesting process and I am grateful for it too. I think that it will make us closer or at the very least it's made me have more compassion and understanding of things that maybe I still harbored some resentment toward her and my relationship. And so that's helped me a lot. It's also been, it's also been a lot for me to process. There's been certain things that I maybe had some resentment toward. And now I feel, you know, sad for the reasons that the reasons I thought things happened and why they really happened. So it's been really, it's been really interesting. But ultimately, I think that I would be more sad and upset with myself in the end if I had just focused on career and money versus trying to take this time and, and spend it with her. So, you know, you're right. It is a privilege. It is. And it's, you know, it's interesting is I love that you said that you were able to get some insight to like have compassion. I think for whatever reason, I think the child's parent dynamic is such that they're always the boss. Like they're always whatever they say is right. Or we just take whatever they say at face value. And now that we're, we are at the age that our parents were when they had us, it's almost like there, there's a lot of gaps that need to be filled in. You know, I think about this all the time with my own parents and luckily both of them have been a lot more open in recent years, but I have a lot of questions that I don't know that I would have ever thought to brought up. Cause I was like, Oh, that's like, that was when I was a baby or something. And I'm like, yeah, like I should be able to ask a question about like, Hey, what you, when you were in your late thirties and you did that thing, what was yep. that about? Like, what was your, decision-making process, you know, because now I can understand it and it might help me fill in some gaps and not that I have like, or I don't think you even had like a lot of like, you know, resentment, but there were things that like, when you look back at them, like, why can't we just get answers for that stuff? Yeah. Why can't we, our parents, while our parents are still alive, why can't we just like dig into that a little bit? And I think oftentimes, again, we don't ask those questions because traditionally they've been the parent or the kid and like, you don't, you know, like there are certain things or maybe certain lines you don't cross, but I think now is a really amazing time yeah. for our parents, whether it's in a crisis situation or just in general, if there are things that you harbor resentment about or that just like questions you have or hurts that you have from when you were younger, like ask your parents, like, why not? You know, I mean, yeah. what's the worst that they can say is whatever, like no or why <laughs> or something, but right. Like, Pride. And I'm, I've been lucky to fill in some of the blanks with my own parents over the last several years, especially about like their divorce and stuff like that. And it's been really cathartic. It has, it has like to fill in the gaps and, and to have a different understanding because I'm sitting here going, okay, when my mom was my age, she had a completely different life than I had. She had teenagers and she had a different kind of marriage and a home. And, you know, just, I have our lives at the same age are completely different. 
completely different. And it's also given me a sense of appreciation, you know, and I, I was telling Jill this early on was that my, I have one brother and he has six kids and my mom is being a grandmother is like all she lives for you know she loves the grandkids she's obsessed with them she has them come over so much to my own like annoyance because I like I, I'll be at the house and she's got six kids and I'm trying to work um, but she she does those kind of things and she does so many things for them and so when I had thought that she might be dying I was also resentful of that I told Jill I was like I don't want to be the one who takes care of these six kids and like that felt so overwhelming to me and she's like you don't have to and I said I know but it, I just realized I started to appreciate some of the things she does for the family and for other people. And also just noticing the roles that people have in the family. So it's um, Jill's brother's birthday today, Danny. And it's, he, I feel like Danny in your family is the one who, who kind of brings people kind together of the too. Yeah. He's yeah like the he brings people together. So it's like, if Danny was gone, you know, would there be as many group activities? Would there be like, you know, those kind of things? And so I realized with my mom, with the idea of her being gone, I was thinking, I don't really spend holidays with them to begin with. If I do it, like maybe Mother's Day, Easter, those ones. But without her, I know my dad's not going to make the effort to like have a Thanksgiving dinner or something like that, right? So like, she's kind of the one who kind of pulls my brother together and my dad together and me so there's these pieces that each person kind of has their role in the family. And if they're gone, it kind of fragments the rest. So it was just, it was interesting to go through the scenarios in my head of what would this look like going forward? Like, where would my dad go? I, I, would I visit my dad by myself? I don't, you know, I was like, I'm not sure if I would as much because she's the one who always wants me to come over. My dad isn't begging me to come visit. So it was, it was interesting too to look at those family roles and family dynamics and just, mm -hmm imagine what it would be like and not just imagine in your head because I feel like I had imagined in my head before but the reality of it because she was in the hospital and gone was very it was a different experience than like how I thought it would be mm -hmm. kind of you know we we get this a lot I think you and I get this too of of if my husband cheated I would do this and you have these ideas but the when the reality of the thing happens it's very very different <laughs> it's so different and we talk about this a lot because we kind of joke that <laughs> we always kind of joke about these these like marriage coaches and these relationship coaches who like they themselves have only been married for like a year or something and they're like trying to coach someone who's married for like 15 years and I'm like what like yeah and then I always say to Danny like well everything is easy in theory right in theory, it's always yeah. easy in theory like we can we know like what it should look like we know what we should do we know what we should say we know what like the best version of us would do but we're not like in actuality the best version of us doesn't always show up right so you're in a relationship and like and we talked about this a lot with like trusting your like next partner after going through infidelity and it's like all good in theory like of course i want to like trust and of course and then like again when you get into the new relationship and like you have to put your money where your mouth is remember when you said that you would trust someone and then you're starting to see you can see patterns you see like things that remind you of and then like you know what i mean you it does take a level of trust self-trust to be like oh shit like this is what I said. This is the moment. Let's see if I can walk my walk in this moment. And even if you can't, and there have been many times that I could not, it, I think showing yourself compassion in those moments is important, right? That's really mm -hmm. the biggest thing when it comes to transformation. You can see yourself, what you should do or what like in theory would be the thing to do. 
And then even if you can't do it, even if you're not ready, even if your insecurities get to you, whatever that looks like, you can still practice kindness and you can still have awareness. Like, hey, that probably was my best work. Like I know next time I want to try to do something differently, but just show yourself compassion. Like, you know, so we started this conversation before we turned the uh, recording on. You were kind of telling me some frustrations that is kind of going on with her and she's, whether the meds or it's her brain stuff and she's kind of like being a little snappy and like whatever. And it's like, I know that in this moment I should be like, wow, she just, she had brain surgery and this is really big deal. And it is of course, but that still doesn't make you like an angel, right? Like you're still like going to have the human response to be like, you, no one wants to get snapped at. I don't care if you just had a brain tumor. Like, no, you know what I mean? So this is mm-hmm. real shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to just talk about and just forgive ourselves and trust that we're just doing our best in every moment. And the best you can do is just have the awareness. So yeah, that wasn't my best work, but next time, at least I'll, I'll know what the alternative could look like. And I'm going to try again. I'm going to show up and I'm going to try again. And that's it. Just show yourself grace. And I'm just so impressed with you. I, I like two things. I just want you to know that what you're doing is something that a lot of people would not do. And I don't think anyone has to, by the way, but I just think that the way you have shown up for her and like held it fucking down is another layer of strength. You know, and I always tell you that you're one of the strongest people I know. And I mean that, like you show up and you, not only do you endure a lot of these kind of like hardships that come up, but you like do it with grace and you do it um, with emotional integrity you allow yourself to feel all the feels, you allow yourself to go all the way in, to process all of it, to like, whether it means, you know, talking it out or crying it out or whatever, like you always have this. And that's something I really um, admire about you is the emotional integrity that you have. I mean, I was just talking to someone today about after my, when I found out that my husband had an affair, I don't think I cried for like 18 months. Like I literally don't think I did. I think I just like was numb for like, and I've been crying my ass off for like the last several years, but like that first 18 months, I think I was fucking numb. And then you did the opposite. Like you just, yeah. boom, you just start bawling your eyes out for <laughs> days. <laughs> and you just like, we're like, all right, fuck, like healing day one, let's go. And I just so appreciate that because, and I think I'm like getting a little bit better at that. Um, but, you know, that's always something that I just think you're amazing at and your strength. And also, and I also, as your best friend, want to like come and grab you and like kidnap you and like bring you to a spa for 48 hours so you can like have some time to yourself, a little bit of self-care and we'll, we'll definitely do that at some point. But I just think you're amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. Actually, you know, to, to that too, it's, in, you know, a lot of people were messaging me and they're like, take care of yourself, take care of yourself. And I'm like, yes, but how? And, and I, I recognize that I needed to. And um, Jill's family had a little getaway for her brother's birthday in Austin and I had bought the ticket. Actually, it was is in the hotel in Vegas. She's like, let's book this now. And I said, okay, just, I will have to see what happens. I may not go, but I will book it. And it really, <laughs> it wasn't even hundred percent sure I was going until that week. Cause that was the week I took her to the ER. And I knew that I needed to, even though I was scared to go, I was anxious. I was anxious leaving her. I was like, I, I have to leave her with, she's going to be with trusted adults. Uh, there's a hospital, you know, she could go back to, and I knew I needed to get away. And while it was difficult and I wasn't maybe fully myself, which I just haven't been the last seven weeks, um, I knew I needed to get a break and I'm glad that I took that. And so it's something that when this is something actually, I think that's been hard for you and me is when asking for help. And while it's been hard for me to necessarily ask, like that GoFundMe was actually very... Mm -hmm. It was super uncomfortable for me um, when Jeff said it. I was like, I just not wanting to do it. Um, but one thing I've been practicing is just 
receiving help. And if somebody offers, like if they offered to bring food to the house, I was like, yes, bring food. I'm so tired of cooking. Or can I, you know, come visit your mom? Yes. Like give me a few hours. So I've been really receiving that. And it's something in the past where I would just try to take it all on and just really recognizing that we do have to take care of ourselves. Like if my cup's empty and I'm falling apart, I'm not going to be any good to take care of her. And I also do need to remember that I deserve to be taken care of as well. And, you know, I saw my counselor even, and I was, I told her early on, you know, back to the trust thing is I was stressed out at the beginning because when my ex and I, the year before he had his affair, we were going to my grandmother's to be caretaker of her. And I told him, Hey, this is not, I don't want this to come between our marriage. If it does, like we will leave. And sure enough, like that was when he had the affair. And so subconsciously, I blamed myself for working. And I also blamed my family and my grandmother. And I thought like, this is part of the reason why he left. And so I was freaking out about Jeff, like, here we go again. Here's my family. And my mom's going to be taking my time. And what if this ruins my relationship? And so I, I told him that and I was open about it. And he was like, I'm here for it. I'm here for you. We're going to stick it out. And while he said it, I still didn't trust that. You know, I was like, okay, sure, I've heard this before. And my counselor was just like, why don't you just allow him to take care of you? Allow it. And and I said this at in Austin. I said I felt like it was just this like trust fall. Like I just had to you guys have done those trust falls where you just lean back and fall as far as you can and someone catches you. And I said, This is what it's really felt like, but he's been doing it and it's been working, but it has been terrifying. It's like I'm doing a trust fall off a 90 story building, but I have to trust that people are going to help me out when they say they're going to, or they're going to be there for me. And so far, everyone who's said it has been there and has been just holding it down and relying on others. I've realized how much I've needed to. And I think I might've been able to do a lot of this myself, but with a cost, you know, with a cost to my health, with a cost to my mental health, with a cost to everyone around me, because I probably would have been snappier and ripping people's faces off. So accepting help from others has been a big piece that I've had to learn and do. God, it's so hard because in theory, it's like, yeah, of course you're seeing from others. But then you, when the, again, rubber meets the road, yeah. someone calls and says, yeah, hey, can I come over for a couple hours? You have to be like, yeah. Or like, okay, it's time to publish the GoFundMe. Like, fuck, now yeah. is the moment where I can walk my walk. If I say that I have to, that I want to learn to receive more, then I need to do this. And that's all the small things. And the theory, of course, is always like 90% of it, the like intellectualizing, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll receive help. But like that 10% is like, okay, pressing publish on the GoFundMe. It's out there. It's live. Like yeah. you got you to gotta just have the full experience, right? Like let the chips fall in whatever that looks like for you and for other people. So yeah, I mean, I think given everything, you've been doing such a great job and trying to balance all the things, but I think this is a good catch up and there's some really good nuggets in here. To yeah. I hope this can help some people. I mean, I know 2020, everybody's had something, you know, or around family and friends and work and losing jobs. And I think these, this kind of stuff can happen at any time. You know, we're all going to have something big and, you know, I'm trying to look for the lessons as I go and also be aware of how I feel and let myself feel the feelings and, here we are. We're back. We're back. <laughs> and a little bit of normalcy recording today. So. Yes, I needed it. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, you guys. Well, we just want to connect with you again. Hello, we're back. We are going to do our absolute best uh, to be as consistent as we possibly can. But just thank you for your grace and knowing that life happens and this shit is just real life. So we didn't forget about y'all. We didn't go away, never to come back. We love the podcast. We just so appreciate all of your listens and all your support and all your kind messages you've been sending us. And yeah. We would love to know what's up with you. What's going yeah. on in 2020? Get into the Facebook group, thebestlifepodcast.com. Let us know what's up. We'd love to hear your responses and if you resonate with anything we talked about today. Yes. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.